Hi everyone, welcome to Totally Dissolved, where we discuss all things coffee through the lens of education. I'm Kathy Hilberg. And I'm Bronwyn Serna. With the help of subject matter experts, we explore different facets of specialty coffee to educate ourselves and you. Thanks for joining us on our journey in an education in caffeination. Bronwyn. How's it going? Pretty good. Nice. Yeah. What's what's happening this week? This week we have lots of site visits for me. Lots of classes for you because you're about to go on holiday. Yeah, I actually don't have any classes this week. I put some on my calendar. No one signed up. So I'm going to work on a project tomorrow. But then, yeah, I'm going on a vacation. I'm going to go up to Bend, Oregon. Any listeners in Bend, Oregon? Holler. No? Show Kathy where good coffee is. <laughs> well, actually, Kathy knows where all the good coffee is because she used to live in Bend. So. Still there. That's where I got started in coffee. But it's definitely changed since I left. There's more coffee now. Um, but yeah, I'll be visiting my... Is it called an alma mater when it's your previous job? Um, sure, why not? Like it, it's where you got schooled in coffee it's true. a little bit. Yeah. So I'll be visiting Back Porch Coffee Roasters for sure. Um, and there's like a new cocktail bar in the old Back Porch Roastery. They like moved out of there into a bigger space. And it's now a bar called the Flamingo Room. Ooh, I've heard it's really good. So I'm excited about that. And just seeing my old friends and... Sounds like a well-deserved yeah. vacation. Jackson's Corner, get some pizza, maybe some... Their bre- it's it's so great when there's like a restaurant that any meal there is like so good. Nice. Like I could eat breakfast, lunch, and dinner at this place and it would be three very different things and they're all delicious. I used to live like half a block away from it and we would buy eggs there if we ever ran out. <laughs> it was amazing. a very convenient spot. That is amazing. Yeah. So anyway, that's a lot of information about my upcoming trip, but I'm very excited to have some time off. Yeah, nice. Um, What's in your cup? This week, we've got a little uh, steeped bag of Unity Coffee's Serious Black. I got this sample at Coffee Fest in our little tote bag, and I love Unity Coffee. Nice. And I've never tried a steeped bag so instead of using the whole bean that they gave us, which was a single origin coffee that sounded very interesting, I thought maybe we could try a little something, at least new for me. Have you tried a steeped coffee before? I have, I have not had steeped from Unity. But, but you've had I, steeped. Yeah, but okay. I have had steeped, which is very delicious, actually. I really like it. I take it camping. So, nice. Yeah. Um, As we all know, my uh, home coffee of choice is Cometeer freaked out about it at least once or twice last season um i did have commentary the other day too sponsor us <laughs> don't worry commentary we will have you on an episode I, too i actually sent Brahman a message and said that we should have someone from from commentary on so if you are from commentary or you know anyone from commentary and you could help hook us up with a connection please do please for, for interviewing. If we get free coffee out of it, so be it. But that's not the point. Yeah. Kathy and I already subscribe, so. 
Mm-hmm. It's all good. We support. Do, we support, support the cause. Yeah, it's delicious. Yes, but this what, one, this is really tasty in terms of I think for Unity as well. Like they're typically known for their processed, interesting, anaerobic, and naturally processed coffees. Mm-hmm. So this one, I feel like you can still get that um, from their mix. I think this one is a mix of Colombia and Guatemala. Guatemala. So yeah. I mean, I've definitely had this specific coffee before on drip and espresso, and I think it tastes like it does Yeah. when you make it any other more typical specialty coffee preparation, I guess yes. I should say. Um, yeah, I think it does a good job of representing this coffee. Mm-hmm. I'm sure that, like, roast kind of comes into play with... Yeah, particularly with that method of... How you do steeped, um, I think they do a phenomenal job. Yeah. Yeah. So I'm, it really does taste like a real cup of coffee, no matter how long that bag is steeped for. <laughs> so that's yeah. always impressive. I feel like I shouldn't say that I'm impressed because I feel like a lot of roasters use steeped. And so I, if it wasn't a good representation of their coffee, they wouldn't use it. But I am a little bit surprised because I've had some of the like instant coffees that have come out and obviously this isn't instant but it is pre-ground so you know it's pretty good close to instantaneous coffee so close close i like that they use the full word of instantaneous not just instant (laughs) anyway um for today i'm very very excited for this guest me Um, too longtime friend very amazing coffee person Candace Madison will be talking with us all about taste and palate development, so stay tuned. Welcome, Candace. Yay, hello. Hi, guys. How Thank are you? you? <laughs> we have the wonderful Candace Madison joining us. Bronwyn. Do you want to introduce them since we've just met and I'm very pleased to be meeting you, um, but we have very little history at this point, so. (laughs) But yes, I would be more than happy to introduce the lovely Candace Madison to talk about our episode today. Uh, We discuss taste and palate development and Candace has a long storied history of being a wonderful coffee human but also a very good expert in our topics today. So welcome, Candice. Thank you. I thought yeah. you were going to say I had a long and storied history of putting things in my mouth, and I do. I've been eating food <laughs> since what <laughs> little babies were supposed to eat food, and I've been drinking coffee since I was about two. So yes. <laughs> Amazing. I really like that description, actually. I think you should use it in your bio. Thank yeah. you. <laughs> Um, so speaking of putting things in your mouth, what is in your cup today? Well, um, as I often say, this is a very malic forward beverage. Um, so malic, um, as to actually be apple juice because (laughs) (laughs) it's kind of late for the coffee, but, um, I've been drinking this really delicious Peru Charm Pumper, um, and I managed to eke out some really tasty flavors on it. So, um, 
it started, it, I think Peru coffees have really come to the fore and it's, and what's been very exciting for me just because of my career, and I'll just say this very briefly, but just like, it's just been exciting to watch these origins that have been either maligned or pigeonholed or stereotyped for their flavor, their processing, whatever, really shine with just due care and attention and to just allow the coffee um, industry to evolve at that origin. And Peru is really, really stand out to me as yeah. one of these types. It's, it's this coffee is delicious so cool Yay. we buy that coffee too and i have really enjoyed it yeah. good old snail lands Churubara. yeah <laughs> um let's begin by well first for those of you that don't know about cannabis which is kind of hard but you know it happens <laughs> um can you give us a little bit of background as to like your history in coffee a little bit yeah, I uh, came into coffee relatively late and relatively early. It's a really strange time to come into coffee. So um, I started, I guess, 2008, 2009 at this, like, <laughs> a coffee shop that I got a job for. Everybody knows I used to be a yoga teacher. I was wearing not very baggy clothing when I went in and asked for a job and I lied and I said I'd been in the industry before and I'd definitely used a machine before and I knew what a famer was and I knew what grind settings were and I was lying out in butt and the manager there who has since become a very dear friend was just like yeah I knew you were lying but you were wearing a camisole what was I supposed to say we needed somebody I was like that's the most set and he ends up not being the most sexist person in the world but I was just like what the he's like no I've seen you around we have a good vibe so I worked there and I was like this coffee biz I got it the other way around. I got the social aspect first. Like we had a lot of fun. It was nuts. No one gave a damn about the coffee except this manager. And when he said to me one day that milk is too hot and there's not enough air in it, I was like, you shut up, you wizard. What are you talking about? You are across the room. Like I smoke as much as you do, but I haven't reached whatever clarity you've reached. Like what is going on? And he was like, no, I can hear it. I was like, you can hear it. He's like, I can hear it. And then that was it. I was done. I was like, I need to know everything about this beverage right now. And I need to be able to tell people that their milk is too hot from 15 feet away. (laughs) (laughs) So um, I think it was the people involving me in that and the fact that there's just like a few different reasons. I am a super taster and have been all my life, which has been the bane of my life and the making of my career. I'm also a really voracious learner. And so when there wasn't much of an education program um, in the SCA, the SCAE then, as it was, it was difficult to get education. I just would read and everything. And yes, I put a lot of stuff in my mouth through the course of my life, which has really helped my palate development. <laughs> I've lived all over the world. I've tasted fruits and veggies that lots of people haven't tasted, depending on what country I'm in. I've had a lot of exposure to different people's cultures and foods. It helps. <laughs> so yeah, so it was a... Uh, I think the first time I realized I was in specialty coffee is when somebody came into the cafe I was working at and said, um, oh, are you going to the World Barista Championships? And this is the first time it had ever been held in London. I think it was 2010. Mike Phillips won that year. It's a big deal. And there were only 16 specialty coffee shops in London. 16. That was it. And most of the baristas either moved around or stayed where they were. So there's one or two like that would move to different shops, one or two of them. So we all knew each other. Right. And people go to the shops based on who was serving the coffee because and it was this really tiny very tight-knit community and there was a there was very little arrogance in it at the time because nobody gave a damn in England about specialty coffee <laughs> like when somebody asked me what the WBC was later and I'll tell you the, the 2010 story but I said well go onto YouTube 
look up kayaking as like dressage or like the kayaking like dance tournaments they have that is what a wbc <laughs> look like to anyone who's not in coffee the twirling of the of the oar and getting the one bit of the kayak in versus the other and they're all like oh well i don't know that side was a little lot and i'm like what and then i'm like i to watch a coffee contest and i and i illustrated it myself this woman came into the shop and she's like, oh, you're going to go to the WBC. You're going to go. I was like, am I going to go watch people do what I do every day for money? Like, am I going to leave my house and travel to some place where someone's making cappuccinos? No, I'm good. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> um, two years later, mama was judging that thing. <laughs> amazing. I love that comparison to the like kayak dancing thing. Yes. I often compare competitions to um like quidditch because it's yeah. like for a lot of people they're like specialty Absolutely. coffee exists which is like being told wizards are real yeah exactly <laughs> and then they're like but also there's these games we play yes and you oh, win and by the, way, the games you play if you win them you can have an entire career start you know companies and raise millions of millions of dollars but but it's just making coffee by the way and people practice for like six months and have scripts and stuff and i coach people but you know yeah Yes. The kayak dancing is quite a lovely uh, image, though. I really like that a lot. It's the commentating. It's hilarious. It's so just good. like, it's hilarious. I'm but so yeah, surprised. So as a barista, as most of us do. Yeah, that's true. And I think that that's kind of, I like that. It's relatable. Yeah. I'm so surprised there hasn't been a good, in, well, I'm sure that there have been scripts or like pitches to Hollywood but I'm still surprised that there is, there hasn't been a good pitch enough that there is like a coffee show like on par. Oh, there is. I, I very well believe there will be after this year. Maybe there's a coffee, not coffee. Sorry, there is a bartender reality show that's happening for the first season mm-hmm. this year that I saw, and I was like, it's happening. That's it's, it's happening. next. <laughs> yeah, coffee is next. The only way I think that that could be a successful multi-season show is if it's signature beverages. Like, yeah. if it's us just making cappuccinos and latte arts. The like most boring show ever. <laughs> I just want an egg and spoon race with your cappuccino and make sure that latte, latte art is in, intact at the other end. So you've got your cappuccino in one hand, your spoon and your egg in the other, and you're off. <laughs> I would watch one episode and then I would be done. That's yeah, it. Same. That's all it would take. Same. I'm not watching anything. <laughs> I now consider that work. So I don't work on my off hours. <laughs> you could work it into your work day. You know. It's true. It's true. <laughs> oh no. Oh no. <laughs> the thoughts that are going on in my head now. <laughs> um, well, um, we want to begin with discussing taste basics. So most of us have been in the industry for some amount of time. And I think we believe that we have the basic understanding of how to taste, uh, but do we really? And what makes tasting coffee more complex than what it might seem? Hmm. I think that experts definitely have an idea and understanding of taste. <clears throat> and they ha- And this isn't any industry where you have to imbibe food or alcohol or drinks. I, I'm not exclusively talking about coffee. Sure. The obvious um, comparison is always, you know, wine and sommeliers, and it is that level of intensity that you want to go into as a quality assurance person, especially in any level, 
of being able to pick apart exactly what you mean and be able to convey that through thorough and concise communication to your colleague. Because that's really what cupping and tasting is about. It's about money and it's about communication. We're not cupping for funsies. We're cupping to make sure that the coffee that we are buying is the standard that we want. We're as roasters, we're doing it to ensure that our roasts are consistent. You know, I'm not, I mean, okay, so some of us used to cup for fun because we really liked it and learning about it is great. But once you have that skill set, it's, um, it's a brain skill set. It's not, everyone thinks cupping is in the mouth and it really is only a tool and a vehicle to get that information to your brain. And that's what I believe 90% of tasters really about. It's about, can you decipher the messages you're getting on your tongue and can you speak them? It's really difficult. (laughs) Like it's not an easy ask. And also I must say that I am talking about flavor here. Because taste and flavor and aroma are three different things that all come together. So taste and aroma create flavor. So when we're talking about taste, we're basically only talking about five modalities. Sweet, sour, salty, umami, bitter. Um, You do have receptors for fat um, in your uh, gut, but these are um, basic flavor, um, taste, sorry, modalities that you have receptors for in your tongue. And they along only 25% of that is information goes to flavor. I mean, the 75% of that is aroma. Yeah. So that's why you can't taste anything when you got a cold. And I think that not understanding how these things work, orthonasal, retronasal, whole bunch of stuff we can talk about, organoleptic, you know, bulbs and pattern recognition and things like that. They all make up the gamut of sensory science. Um, but if you're talking about, can we taste coffee? I think one of the most interesting things about coffee for me is it doesn't taste how it smells. And, and people really don't get that for a very long time. Coffee smells one way and tastes completely different, almost. Yeah. So, you know, you grind coffee, you've got this sweetness, you've got this nuttiness, you've got this absolutely, this bloom, if you're, you know, grinding a natural or a really delicious, you know, and articulate washed coffee of florals on the nose and bouquets and other words and glorifications we could use. But in the cup, if you're not concentrating on the temperature profile and the flavor profile and thinking about it, it tastes bitter. Like you've just smelled all this sweetness and deliciousness and this complexity. And if you're not a trained professional and you haven't had a little sip of coffee beforehand, you put it in your mouth, you're just tasting bitter, dark water. And you're just like, what the hell is this? And I think that that's like most people's first kind of like surprise with coffee is that without the dressing up, the milk, the sugar, the caramel drizzle, what the hell is going on, by the way, Starbucks with this apple cider spice, some, I will drink it. I will, but I will (laughs) resent it and drink it. Um, Yeah. If you don't put all the bedazzle stuff on coffee, it doesn't taste as it smells until you understand it. And then it's a very odd, a very odd sensation, I think. That is interesting because why is it that the bitter notes in coffee are so prominent when like you first come into coffee? Like, like for me, you're, it's totally right. Like I got into coffee because like the mochas at Starbucks were really delicious. You know, you have milk, it, it brings out all of the good things in coffee. And then you have to learn your, teach your palate how to taste coffee black. 
And even same thing with espresso, it's because everything with that is so very concentrated. Yeah, exactly. It's the concentration of the bitterness. Well, if you're AFAB like myself, I'm non-binary, but sex is female. You actually are more attuned to bitterness than any other person on the planet. AMABs don't have this problem, AFABs do. Because we have the ability as a generalization, not as a specification, to procreate. Bitterness is synonymous with poison. In the wild, you will taste something bitter and you will spit it out. But you have an awesome um, built-in self-protection system. If you look, so the tongue map is a mess. It's not concentrated the way, we can talk about the tongue map at some point. But all you need to know, if you stick your tongue out and look in the mirror, you should see these kind of larger disc-like taste buds at the back of your um, mouth. And within those taste buds are receptors for bitterness. So they're at the back of your mouth and they're big and they're huge to catch anything you didn't spit out. So it um, induces your gag reflex. Mm. So the reason you are tasting and everyone tastes the bitterness first is because your body is literally supposed to parts per million, you can taste bitterness in millions more water in part than you can sweet or sugar, um, sweet or salt. <clears throat> in fact, you need to dump quite a few, quite a lot of sugar into a little cup of water in order to taste it. Whereas I can put like a tiny pipette drop of something bitter and you will taste it almost immediately. Mm. So that's the, that's the particular reason why, <clears throat> excuse me, without the bitterness in coffee, it doesn't give us the flavor profile we want. People never complain about their coffee being too bitter. They always complain about their coffee being too sour. They get those two words mixed up a lot, but people can ameliorate bitterness with sugar. They can't do that with sourness. And so that's why you get less complaints. People just like third beverage, that nonsense. (laughs) Just sugar and milk. (laughs) Can you elaborate on the, like that sourness, especially like recently with a lot more, coffee roasters coming up with lighter profiled coffees, you know, can you like, why is the sour and bitter get mixed up so much? And it's it's only highlighted. Yeah. I will take umbrage at the fact that they're not light roasting, they're underdeveloping. They're two different things. I agree. You can light roast, and I know you know this. (laughs) I can light roast the coffee and it will taste sweet and balanced. The acidity will be bright and blooming. And it will taste, um, have that nice crisp bitterness at the end. And it will leave a really pleasant aftertaste in your mouth. That's because I've developed all of the acids to the point that they need developing in the roaster. So again, coffee is hyper complex. The acids usually aren't present. Precursors for the acids are present most of the time, not for every acid, but most of the time in the roaster, but where they come to the fore, in the, sorry, in the green coffee, but where they come to the fore is in the roaster. So if you only roast your coffee light and don't develop it probably, um, properly and purposefully through the Maillard and after first crack, what you're left with is only the first part of this development, this very astringent sour acid, because you haven't pushed through to a more rounded acid development and then balance that with a really sweet, unctuous note because you need that. I mean, look at Sprite. Everyone's, I mean, I'm addicted to Sprite and if you're not, why not? Tastes (laughs) amazing. Lemon and sugar, yes, please. Like, do you know what I mean? So lemon juice by itself, no thank you. Lemon juice with a whole bunch of sugar in it, yes, please. (laughs) 
another. <laughs> like, so it's um, <clears throat> how you treat the coffee. People will blame the roaster. People will blame the coffee. People will blame everything. If you don't understand what's going on with your coffee, it can be really, really difficult to understand what you're tasting. It's really difficult to get to the taste that you want, all these different things. So yeah, if you're tasting sourness in coffee, and I don't mean acidity, I mean a straight sourness that makes your mouth water and clenches your tongue, that's lack of development. And I can help you with that for the <laughs> low, low price though. Give me a call. <laughs> Standard messaging rates will apply. Indeed. (laughs) What are some common misconceptions or mistakes that we make when tasting coffee? Too hot. People want to get into those cups super hot. And if we're talking tasting rather than just drinking a cup of coffee, both of those things are true. People go in too hot. They also go in with a lot of conceptions, a lot of misconceptions, I would say, and a lot of baggage dragged through learning from people who don't like naturals, learning from people who don't like and don't understand Gilimbasa, which is the wet hull technique from Indonesia, not understanding what is a defective fermentation versus a you know proper fermentation in a, a honey, or as we used to call them back in the day, which was only like six years ago, pop naturals, <laughs> like natural coffees. Um, and they also put their opinion into the cup as well. So I remember once I was standing looking very, very shady and very guilty at one of my first tastings. And the guy was, I can't remember who it was, it was in London. I was like hopping from foot to foot, but like I was looking down, he's like, do you have any flavor notes? And I had one, but there's no way I was gonna say it. I was like, I'm not saying that, that's insane. First of all, like there's something wrong with me and blah. He's like, just what is it? It's like marijuana. He's like, yep, get a lot of that in coffee. I was like, oh, okay. And, you know, if it's illegal, you don't want to say why you know what that smells or tastes like. But at the same time, like it's coffee has so many um, reminders because it's it's aroma and it's taste. Little bits and uh, coffee is you'll you'll drink a coffee and be like, oh, that was very nice. You know, whatever, blah, blah, blah. And then you'll drink another coffee and be like, oh, my dear God, I am back home, you know, at my parents kitchen table on a Saturday morning chatting to my mom. Or you'll go, oh my God, I've never tasted something like this before. So it's, if you can take all of your preconceived notions, all of your conceptions out of the cup, that will serve you to actually understanding your own equipment, your own way of tasting. And don't go in too hot. It's much like, you know, under any type of extreme, such as pressure, which is why plain food tastes really bad at um, sea level. Any kind of extreme, your body cannot use and function properly. You can't use your equipment properly. So your tongue will not work when something's too hot. It will shock your brain and you'll get nothing out of it. And also, um, the SCA um, is there for a reason. And the people, I have utmost respect for the volunteers and the people who've worked on the standards, such as the cupping standards. And, you know, we've got Ted Lingle to thank for, like, everything. Thank you for... <laughs> Thank you, grandfather of cupping. Um, but uh, don't taste lower than 72 degrees to, to evaluate the coffee. Just don't. Because all you're doing is tasting cool, tepid, dirty water and going, well, I'm going to make a judgment about the coffee on this. Well, no, you're not. You're not really, are you? <laughs> you just put cold coffee in your mouth and be miserable. So if, it, if you want to keep tasting after that, go ahead. But it's not giving you the information you need. Hmm. So what is the ideal tasting temperature for when you are doing that? God damn it. Damn you. I can't remember. It's the SEA standard protocol. 
It's like one. God, it's like one sixty. You know why I have problems with this and I have to look it up every time I have a class because I work in centigrade and Fahrenheit. So now I'm just like, okay, which one is which? And am I am I saying the really hot one? Somebody said they put like their coffee in at four hundred degrees centigrade into a roaster. I was like, I'm just so like, what? Oh, Are you sure yeah. that wasn't like, Kelvin? <laughs> So yeah, so you want to make sure that you're, if you're cupping, especially, um, a lot of people, I don't even try the coffee. I don't even try going into the cup before 11 to 12 minutes at all. And always, if you're unsure if something's too hot, don't put it on your tongue. Maybe touch the spoon to the coffee and put the spoon on your lip. Or if it's your house and your cup and you're not being disgusting, put your lip straight to the coffee, not your tongue. So if you burn your lip, no biggie, you know? Don't do that, by the way. Don't burn your lips, because I said so. You never know. <laughs> just wait um, 12 minutes, people. Yeah, just wait 12. I, I actually, for quick evaluations, I'll go in at 15 minutes, make an evaluation, and be done. But that's because I've been doing this for, like, 15 years. So This is kind of unrelated, but I'm amazed at how many people can drink, like, very, very, very hot coffee and not burn their mouth. And I know that, like, some of that has to do with, like, age. And at some point, we don't, like, regenerate taste buds or something like that. True, Um, yeah. And that maybe that helps somehow. But, like, aren't we still burning our tongues? I I always say that I have, like, a child mouth. I need kid's temp. Um, (laughs) If my mouth was a room, it would have little stuffy animals in it and squishies (laughs) Like little machines. My mouth is so sensitive. My mouth is like, please, mama, nothing too hot. You know, it's like, I am the Goldilocks child. I have no idea how they do it. And I am not following. Like, luckily, I came into coffee very late. I am decrepit Gen um, Gen X. Gen Z, please, no. I do not wish. I remember what I was like. Um, And I, I would see people do it and just be like, rather you than me, mate. I can't, I can't, I will just, it will burn the whole of my mouth and yep. yeah. don't know how they do it. I don't know. And you really can't taste anything when it's too hot. Like you said, no. it, you can't. Um, yeah. No, you can't. And yeah. you definitely can't evaluate when it's that hot either. So no. if you're doing it for evaluation's sake, it's not going to help you. Yeah. And you should be, this is my thing, you should be, it's not my thing, but it is a thing that is. I hold to be very true. You should be tasting, especially for evaluation, for purchasing, for quality, for anything the entire range, the entire temperature range. Yeah. If you just get one snapshot of that coffee, you don't know how it, the structure of that coffee changes over time. And as the temperature drops, does that structure collapse? Does it hold up? Does it become something different? Can you talk your customers through it? Like, honestly, I would rather have a cup of coffee that I can nurse for ages if I forget about it. I have ADHD. I forget about everything. So if I forget about it and I'm reading a book and it's on the side and I'm like, oh, I want that cup of coffee to still taste. You know, it's not it's not going to be great. It's cold, but, you know, still taste, you know, drinkable and chocolatey, something like that. Yeah. I always have said that, like, baristas are maybe the best uh, at knowing how coffee tastes throughout the temperature because you get a cup of coffee. Customers start coming in. You don't get a sip of your coffee until like an hour later. Totally. And then you top it off with a little bit more hot coffee. Yep. And now it's, you know, yep. in between oh. middle temperature. It's drinkable. And, yeah. And so you get to taste it hot, cold, middle temperature <laughs> all day long. I literally I taste my coffee all day long. 
nobody will come into the shop for ever. You'll have been standing there for an hour. Anything you could have possibly cleaned, polished, put away, restocked has been done. You're like, okay, I'm going to make myself a pour over. You know, I'm going to soon as you get that ground i'm gonna promise you yes. just get everything set up but as soon as you grind the coffee but or you finish making it boom that's it you're never gonna see that coffee ever again nope yeah <laughs> just done that for somebody else yes <laughs> yeah. you'll get to taste that an hour later or yes. more yeah. i was gonna say if you're lucky somebody orders it and you can just yeah. hand it to I was about to say, yeah you can just give it to somebody you have a free coffee i hate you so much <laughs> <laughs> someone okay. said that like oh my god you must drink so much coffee i think i was working every man um in new york but this has been everywhere i go i'm a morning person not because i want to be just because i'm obnoxious and um so somebody was like wow you must have had so much coffee that you guys must have i said i've had no coffee i got like my mask dropped and they were just like how are you doing this i'm like because if i have coffee you guys don't get coffee if i'm sitting there making coffee for myself i can't open the shop which means every time you open, you know, you open your lid and sip that coffee in front of you, I would like to kill you. <laughs> one, of, one of my regulars, and he was just like, I'm going to go. I was like, yeah, just go, just go. <laughs> oh my gosh. That's also like the comment where people are like, how are you tired? You're in a coffee shop. Oh. It's like, first of all, there is no replacement for sleep. There's no amount of coffee I can have that will make me feel like I slept a full eight hours. Second, I've been here making coffee for you. Yeah, exactly. I'm not drinking it myself. Also, <laughs> contraindication, the more coffee you have, the more caffeine you have, your body will actually flip-flop um, its reaction. As baristas know, you'll get really tired instead of really awake. So. Yeah. yeah, speaking of cupping, I feel like the like 1 p.m. cuppings that people used to like host, you go to one and you're like, okay, now I need a nap. It's the 4 p.m. cuppings that I wish people wouldn't do. Yeah. Oh, nap from 7 till 10, and then I'll be wide awake until 4 o'clock the next morning when I drop and have to get up like two hours later because one of my dogs needs to go out. So, yeah. 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 Evil. (laughs) Getting back to tasting. So, baristas went, or just any coffee professionals in general, when they end up kind of cupping and tasting and getting getting to do this on a regular basis, how can how can they further their palate development and education? Like they've been doing this yeah. for a while. I mean what more can you do besides getting a sensory more, science, you know, degree? Give me more. Um well if you were ever like any of us, which you're not, because they're I mean, honestly, there were no facilities, no training. There was nothing when I started out in coffee. So you would see us at the back of the shop lining up all these cups and cupping at the back. Um, okay, so the suggestions are very seriously. If you, I don't know if it's still in print. You can get a PDF version. I luckily have a book version. But um, the SCA Cupping Protocol by Ted Lingle isn't just the protocol. It goes in-depth into taste, flavor, tasting. It makes you understand all the different attributes and it doesn't just talk about coffee it talks about you as a person tasting that beverage and it really breaks down and reorganizes how you think about taste and flavor honestly it's invaluable my my book is like highlighted i take it i'm a q instructor and i take it to every class to make sure that i've got you know that i'm giving out all the incredible information that's in that volume so that's number one cupping for me is ritualistic much like my coffee 
I don't have on the fly cuppings as in like every single time I cup, even if it's on the fly on my kitchen table, I will follow full SCA protocol. And there's a reason for that. It means that every single time I cup my organ, my tool, my body is being used in exactly and precisely the same way, which means that I am auto calibrated and I just need to then calibrate with other people should I need to for judging or anything like that. Mm. And that means that my skills are always up and it means that I'm also evaluating every coffee or tasting every coffee pretty much the same way. Like I just ran to a coffee shop to get water because I went and ran out of third way tablets. So I went to get actually, you know, the 125 slash 175 ppm water that you you know that's required for cupping and blah blah blah. yeah i'm a little dorky it's my job I love that. <laughs> attention to tell part that used to really really annoy other people is like very much useful for my work um the other thing i would say is to taste everything even things that you don't think you want to don't say i don't like that because cupping isn't about what you like or what you don't like it's not subjective therefore you have to challenge your palate in daily life in order to be able to not go ew when you taste a coffee that you personally don't like the taste of but which is a very good coffee you see a lot of cuppers penalizing coffees because they subjectively don't like that because they're so shocked by the flavor that's in their mouth i remember going on a date when I was a newbie barista and um, this terrible man, he's fine, he's not terrible. Um, he <laughs> was trying to impress me um, and took me to um, a wild something cafe. And it basically was a very upper class, fancy restaurant, but they saw they served like crocodile, um, antelope, zebra, um, scorpion salads that we had the love bug Weird. salad. And I'm munching through this and he's like looking really worried. And I was like, what? He's like, well, I didn't think you were going to want to eat here. I say, like, oh, no, you're cool, dude. I got money. We're good. Because he thought that I was going to go so grossed out that I wouldn't go there. And then we could go to whatever cheap option he wanted to go to. I didn't. I, I mean, when I first picked up a bunch of bugs, crisp bugs, like they have in South America instead of popcorn at the movies. And I was just like this is gross. Let's get in. <laughs> Let's go in there. You know, it's like when I first smelled durian and, that, and actually I really have an appreciation for the smell of durian. Now this was the, such a shocking smell. I didn't know it was a fruit. I didn't even know it existed. I didn't know what I was smelling. Mm -hmm. And when I realized what it was, and that's what I mean about coffee and um, the smell and the taste being different. The taste of durian is so good. It's very good. <laughs> yeah. So good. They make um, durian frappuccinos in Starbucks in oh, wow. um, Malaysia. I used to live in Malaysia and I'm telling you when they, it was like a, a special and they would do, there were lines like around the block. We were trying to blend them and make them at home and stuff. So it's like shocking things only seem shocking to you. If you are stupid or you haven't exposed yourself enough, or you've gotten too used to, you can get really narrow in your eating and drinking. You have your favorite cocktail, you have your favorite coffee, you have your favorite way of making coffee, you have a favorite food and you can get very, you know, don't be afraid to challenge yourself, not just on holiday or not just when you go somewhere new, but just like, you know, just cause. Um, and also challenge yourself blind. So these are fun games to play with your friends. Like I remember being really shocked by the fact that somebody put like an unripe banana, which I know the taste of really well because I only like my bananas unripe. And um, it was Andrew Tolley. He's an excellent coffee professional, um, Australian guy who owns Taylor Street Baristas in London and New York. Um, and a couple other places. And he's a really generous and wonderful. He teaches a lot of milk chemistry. I haven't seen him for years. Love that man, dear friend. Um, and he, um, 
one of his um, Taylor Street baristas um, cafes put up all these white takeaway cups with solutions and you just had to pour them in and they just were all looked the same that you were clear or milky you weren't allowed to look at the colors of them and you just had to taste them I couldn't guess hazelnut I couldn't guess banana and there were uh, like this is like obviously like like literally the beginning of my career like 15 years ago but at the same time it really quickly brought to me how it was it was just a, a perfect illustration as to why people can't say flavors when they're cupping because without the texture without the color without the shape without the feel the reminder of what you are imbibing it can be really difficult to assign that flavor to a nomenclature or sorry a nomenclature <laughs> sorry forget where i am sometimes <laughs> um and then um so so by exposing yourself as much as possible keeping yourself as open as possible so like for me going like yuck you're into ah, that's absolutely one of my favorite fruits like and to like you know and also to remember that when you're talking to people and this is really important don't say that coffee tastes like snickers because there are a lot of people who have no idea what Snickers tastes like. But if you tell me that coffee tastes like chocolate, nuts, roasted nuts and caramel, I will know exactly what you're talking about. Like if I say to people that Kenyan coffee tastes like Ribena, every English person will know what I'm saying. And everywhere else in the world, people will be like, I have no clue what you're talking about. And it's a very specific black currant cordial that we used to drink when we were little and that's still available now. And everybody who's English got given that in school and they know that flavor inside out but me saying that here super unhelpful so it's just remembering that what you're doing is communicating with yourself and communicating with other people and then challenging yourself and getting other it's fun doing it with other people is fun so you know yeah yeah cool as you were talking about the the banana thing i was thinking about i had some macarons at my cousin's daughter's birthday party this weekend and I picked up two because I was like do you know what the flavors are and they're like no we just we took them out of the box so I was like all right I'm gonna grab two that look like good colors and one of them was like um like a bright pink color and the other one was like a tan color um I was thinking maybe like hazelnut and raspberry neither of them were correct um but it took me a second, especially with the red one or pink one. Um, it was peppermint. Oh, interesting. So it was shocking, but I also was like, okay, it's sweet still. Obviously, it's a cookie, but it took me a little bit. And then, which I, was kind of surprising because I feel like peppermint also has that like feeling, right? That like tingling yeah. sensation. Was it peppermint or was it spearmint? There are so many different mints. I'm pretty sure it was peppermint. It was peppermint, okay. Yeah. Because spearmint always throws me, and then wintergreen throws me too sometimes. That's I'm like, true. Yeah. That's menthol. No, that's not menthol. What, you know, I, I have to, it takes a little to, oh, it's interesting. Yeah. yeah. And then the one I thought was hazelnut was um, almond. And I oh, think okay. for a second I went, I was like, okay, that's not hazelnut. And I thought it was something else. I think I said coconut first. And I was yeah, like, no, yeah, okay. that's not coconut. So, yeah, that's reminded me of that. No, no, that's really interesting. I I, I wonder if they, if they did the pink for peppermint because of the candy canes. Christmas that's candy what I'm cane. thinking. Yeah. yeah. Because that's another thing that I really love. Heston Blumenthal is an amazing chef. Um, and he has 
I don't know how many Michelin star restaurants in the UK. And he had a series, if you ever catch it, I think it's done by Channel 4 Productions, but um, if, uh, if you can catch it on YouTube or something, it's amazing. He makes, this was long before the Is That A Cake or whatever, he would make these incredible creations and they wouldn't look like food or they would operate differently what you thought. And my whole thing was like, I would love to serve people an entire meal of like however many courses where everything is a different or opposing color than what you think it should be. Mm. You're constantly being bombarded with different flavors and tastes and you don't know what they are or what to expect because the color palette is so divorced from what you would expect it to be. And that to me seems, well, I'm obnoxious, so it seems like a lot of fun for a prank, but it also seems like... <laughs> It also just seems like, you know, I remember, I don't know if they still do this, but back in the day, Charles Spencer used to give a lot of talks. He's a professor at Oxford University in psychology of taste, flavor, and and like, and and um, perception of neuro, it's neurogastronomy in, in a lot of ways. I went to a lot of lectures with him and Harold Cox, and but I was a nerd. Um, and this also has a lot to do with what I mean about cupping and taste. I went in and I learned about fermentation from the guys at Noma. I went, like, you have to eat and drink everything um and he um charles spencer he was doing um a, a dear love max colonna dashwood who's won ukbc how many times and was a wbc finalist i roasted his coffee in 2015 anyway so that i remember going there for a little talk in bath and it's like the coffee tastes and is presented and feels different depending on the vessel you serve it in and we were like, yeah, shapes, of course, it, you know, blah, 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 if it's thin or at the top, blah. He's like, no, serve that coffee in the red cup and serve this coffee in the blue cup and we'll see what people's flavor notes were. And their flavor notes, including mine, were completely different for the same coffee. Wow. That's it so interesting. Same coffee. So, yeah. The Try whole... and leave your expectations yeah. at the door as well. Yeah. Tasting. I love that whole sensory perception, like taste isn't just olfactory or retronasal. It is a complete sensory experience. It's, it's, yeah, yeah, I mean, I was in the middle of studying sensory science at University of Nottingham, and then I got married. Anyway. <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm getting divorced. I still love him. It's fine. The husband and I are fine. Um, but it was just like I never finished. And I really am determined to finish that um, degree in sensory science because yeah. it's fascinating. Yeah. I wasn't as Truly excited is. when they told me the next module was a full six months of statistics because sensory science is a lot of that too. Yes, it is. <laughs> it's not just all the fun part about putting stuff in your mouth. It's also data capture. So yeah, I did a lot of studies at Campton BRI, which is the campus for University of Nottingham. They put different lights on. You are put in different environments. You are put in pods. Um, you are not allowed to see anything that they're giving you. You're, it's pushed through a little um, tray, like um, what's flap, your tray is pushed through a flap and then the flap is pushed back up and then the lights change color and then you're allowed to taste like, it's not, wow. but it's insanely interesting. And I puked a lot that day because we were testing, <laughs> different, yeah. we were testing marinara and different, like if you could taste the difference between different marinaras and which had the most basil, which had the, so needless to say, they put this scatter graph up at the end of the day or the next session and i'm like oh it's the end of the day because i'm like sitting there like like this groaning and like and there's somebody that's got it perfectly right for everything and i'm just sitting there and everyone's like candace candace look at the board i'm like hey, look at the board. what look at the board oh yeah okay great somebody got it right yeah it was you and i'm like well good because <laughs> i just two hours throwing up so if i didn't get something right i would have been sad but yeah 
it takes that level of concentration and dedication to taste well. And then after a while, you don't realize that you're just doing it. So it's doable. It's perfectly doable. I feel like this is such a great episode to have following last week's episode because exactly. we had um, Chris Hendon on. And so. Oh, I love Chris. Yay. It's There's like. Oh, well, birthday? Happy birthday, Christopher Hendon. Happy birthday, Yeah, I mean, there were a few things that you were talking about earlier about like roasting, and we talked a lot about like roasting and the water you're using. Um, and then Maxwell came up, and so yeah. it just feels like a perfect yeah. follow up. We yeah. had um, we had a fun WBC. It was me, Chris, Max, and his wife, because they were doing the water presentation. I had roasted the coffee for it. So I saw them do it in Vienna one year and then I roasted the coffee for him the next year and we were in Seattle and it was amazing. Like um, Chris and I still speak about probably like I say possibly, he says probably definitely <laughs> collaborating in some scientific way about roasting and water and things like that. But coffee is endlessly fascinating, endlessly fascinating. There, I think every single person in the world could find something that interests in them in somewhere along the supply chain in some permutation whatsoever. So I just happen to like the way it tastes. And so that's why I specialize. (laughs) (laughs) I think for me, coffee has made a lot of other subjects interesting, right? Like science, I was decent at it in school enough to like get okay grades, but it was more like memorization to pass the test, to pass the class. Absolutely. But I find the science behind coffee so interesting because it's something I care about. So I think it works both ways. Like you like how it tastes, you want to know more about why it works that way. And then suddenly you care about all of these things that you could have given a rip about before. (laughs) On agronomy, I teach parts of that in the, you know, like in a very minor form, by the way, let's not blow, you know, smoke. But like I used to like (laughs) teach parts of agronomy in in the queue if people would ask questions just because I was learning about it. Yeah. Um, I classes in thermodynamics and organic chemistry of roasting are you kidding me i used to hide and not go to science class like what the hell like i am deep in there with the thermodynamics and all. i'm like well if you look at the second floor of the blah 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 and i love it you know i'm talking about all the cascading like you know organic reactions and what needs a catalyst and what doesn't what needs to happen beforehand in the green bean and the precursors and i'm like who is talking you know so it's like it's lit this fire in me and things that didn't, I didn't hold interest before. You're absolutely right. Like it, you know, yeah. 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 Also, I'm a good baker now. So there's that. Too. <laughs> if you can bake, you can roast. Yeah. It's true. Or vice versa. It's true. I like to bake. <laughs> I like to bake. I found roasting was, I talked about this on an earlier episode. I get very sleepy. I used to roast at my very first coffee shop that I worked at. And I would just get really sleepy because it's like warm and, you know, oh, sitting I there. Metallica. I play a lot of Metallica, Foo Fighters. Um, used to play a lot more Guns N' Roses, Van Halen. I've got a lot of rock on there, like heavy like <laughs> stuff. Or I've got a lot of gangster rap from the 90s. Or, you know, sometimes I have a Taylor Swift song on. <laughs> Love it. Right, <laughs> Mom? <laughs> yeah. That must have, have been my pop. mistake was I didn't have the right playlist. So yeah, good to yeah. know. <laughs> Speaking of which, when you are listening to music, I, that also completes the whole sensory experience of like what you taste. I do remember when I think 
it was during one of the like the TED Talks for coffee. Oh, Rico. Uh, yes, Rico. So during yeah, one Rico, they did have they had worked with one of the universities at that point, and like the same thing with the with the light and like the vessel, they did it with music. So you listened yeah, to like yeah. one thing and drank two of the same cups of coffee, and you yeah, would write absolutely. down. It's so the- fascinating. It is. It's, it's, it's color as well as texture. And it is sound. Like, um, I think Simon Treasure is his name. I can't remember. One of the TED fellows. I used to do all the TED conferences, coffee service. And I was a coffee ambassador after a while, which was fun. But none of my friends were there. So it was less fun. But um, he he came up to me and he said, why do you have all these sounds of, of coffee, um, of the machine right here? You could hide them in the back. And I looked to him and I said, more than anything else, other than the taste and the smell of coffee, people come in for the theater. They don't come here to sit in silence. That's a tea room. I said, you're thinking of a tea room, not a coffee house. I said, I get what you're saying, but, and it, and it is ambiance. I remember like for me personally, I like to have as little noise as possible when I'm eating and drinking, even the, the quiet tinkly little chamber music because I'm a musician and it distracts me. But um, you can get away with saying things like, oh, lady, can you please turn off that gangster rap because they're swearing in it and I've got my kids here. And I say, oh, that's fun. This is not a daycare. This is a coffee shop. Turning the music off. So you, <laughs> you get that kind of musical fun. But yeah, absolutely. I think the ambiance, how, I mean, honestly, even the seating, like I've cafes where they've served amazing coffee have this like what I call punitive seating for skinny people. Like they have these tiny stools, I won't name it. The stools are really tall. They've got these little squares of like plywood. I'm sorry, I don't have a big butt, but I do have one. And I would like, <laughs> like to substantially sit on the entire chair, not just like the little tiny poster stamp you've proposed. And I couldn't enjoy my coffee. And then I realized, sorry, I have dogs. I realized how sterile the whole environment was. And I felt very uncomfortable. And this was spoken to me as one of the best coffee shops in the world and blah, 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 blah. And I was like, I am not having a great experience here. And it really showed me, I actually was happier asking them to put my coffee in a takeaway cup and leave and walk down, you know, the streets of Brooklyn in the fall, because it just felt a lot better, you know, like, it just felt like, oh, okay, I'm enjoying my coffee and concentrate on my coffee. Everything is familiar. I'm not being, you know tripped up. So that's also something to think about how you cup, where you cup the smells, no smells when cupping because flavor is 75% aroma. True. Speaking of which, okay. My, our final question for you before we get, before we move on, um, are tasting (laughs) notes really useful? Are they necessary? No, I'll tell you why. I don't remember the company, so this isn't a call out, but if I, the one tasting I saw that made me realize that they were absolute nonsense was this taste the way a new leather car interior smells. <laughs> well, if you know anything about coffee, you know, leather is a defect taste. That's A. And um, when it's not a defective taste, it's still not something. No, ew, no. I don't want that in my coffee. Why not just say this coffee tastes the same way it feels when a huge tattooed burly biker punches you in the face? It's like, what does that mean? <laughs> like, you know, I can tell you that this coffee tastes like kumquat, lemongrass, um, and bamboo shoots. And 
that means nothing to the average person. Most people would pick that out as like a Sumatra or like an Indonesia if they had like a thought on on coffee origins and what flavor profiles are. But honestly, flavor profiles are useful for coffee professionals and they're useful to talking to your team. Um, in flavor flavor notes, sorry, my, my bad. And they're very useful, like one or two easy things. I'm so sorry. Uh, um, obviously, Phydra uh, has a lot of thoughts about this, and I will get her opinion in writing later. Um, <laughs> uh, but yeah, like uh, you are telling someone what they taste. That's that's not cool. If you say this coffee is fruity, it's chocolate, and I'm sure that my company will put flavor notes on there, but it will also be like, what are your flavor notes? You know, you've got a coffee from us, scan the QR code, maybe, I don't know, whatever the kids do, and tell us what you are tasting, because we're not you. So this is fruity, because all of us have decided it's fruity. Yes, Fyder, I say fruity, you get excited, I get it, you're, you're a lesbian, I'm non-binary, it's all good, we're all fruity. <laughs> um, and it's like, you get this, like, you get an expectation, it's again, bringing people to an expectation that they might not come to, they may read that coffee and go, ew, I don't want to drink that, and actually enjoy it if it was served to them. So um, my last story is about Ted. Um, I was in Edinburgh. I was talking to this woman. She would come up to me every single day and complain about the fact that we were serving coffee that she didn't agree with. And it was like, I get that you don't agree with it, but also at the same time, like it's the coffee. I, I didn't do anything to the coffee. She's like, well, you've, you said taste, it's got notes of strawberry on here. And I'm like, well, well it does. It's, it's, it's a coffee that's processed and stuff. And she's, she's like, I don't want you putting stuff in my coffee and blah, blah, blah. And she would come every day of Ted to yell at me. And on the very last day, because I never gave her any judgment, I never did anything but ask her questions. She asked me for a cup of coffee. She took two sips. She goes, that's really lovely. And I said, thank you. But that was because I didn't tell her what she should taste. I told her why those tasting notes were on there and that her experience of it might be different. And it was. Mm. So are they essential? No. Are they a good guidepost? Yes. Can they be intimidating? Absolutely. I would just say use them wisely and very few people apart from me, you and a few other people know what a low quad is, let alone what it tastes like. So maybe don't put that down as a flavor note. It makes an excellent jam. It does. Yes. Mm -hmm. yes. Lots of natural pectin. You don't even have to add it. Yes. <laughs> anyway, I love hearing that from somebody whose job it is to taste and kind of help other people taste. Because mm -hmm. as an educator myself, I talk to people a lot who like maybe don't even like coffee sometimes. Yeah. And I have to teach them how to make good espresso. And so yeah. when we get to the portion where we're talking about the flavor notes that they might taste, I try and explain like what you just said, that there's options for them to not taste what we taste often. Mm -hmm. And there's options for them to taste like beyond what we taste. And really to make good espresso, you have to be able to just discern whether or not it's sour or bitter because you've under or over extracted it. You don't have to be able to, tell even yourself what you're tasting in order to make good coffee it can be helpful but yeah i think that's just good to like have reinforced yeah. at least to me you know what helped me as a barista was not even having tasting notes for espresso as long as i could taste or feel that there was a base note a middle note and a harmonic 
that were all in concert with one another and it tasted sweet. Yeah. Boom. They're dialed in. Yeah. Okay. It's dialed. It's dialed. <laughs> it's dialed. Why do you think all the people in competition are frantically dialing their coffee 59,000 times before they even get on stage? It changes all the time, dude. Like, <laughs> I can't give you a free idea for this. You just need the general idea. This is coffee. <laughs> <laughs> Honestly, coffee changes every day. We all know this. That's right. why we have state bags and FIFO and like, you know, don't add these beans on top or don't make it's we know that. It's an organic product. It's sales. So flavor notes are useful for maybe like fresh off the roaster. I don't know. But you know, two weeks down the line, are you gonna really taste that low quart as strongly as you did at the beginning? If at all. Yeah. <laughs> So, um, yeah, I think it is, I think it's a great way to start a conversation. I think being, going too far down a rabbit hole of minutiae of flavor in terms of notes and what you deliver to your, you know, audience slash clients slash customers, you're doing yourself a disservice rather than, than a service. Yeah. That's my thought. Well... It is time for our game. <gasps> Yay! <laughs> so, <laughs> so for everyone listening, we introduced uh, the idea of a game at the end of the of each episode a couple of weeks ago. Um, we're gonna introduce a new game. Um, this one is called Sip, Dump, Chug, which you might be familiar <laughs> with. Uh, through a similar game of a different name, but this one's for coffee, so we changed the name up a little bit. Um, so we're gonna give you three things, okay? And they might not all be like. I guess this is more. I think with this set, they are things that you might actually imbibe, um, but in the future they might not be. So um, just to set up the premise for future rounds of this, but. Um, the first one is processes. We've got natural process, honey process, and anaerobic. Uh, chuck anaerobic, uh, sit natural, uh, chug honey. Wait, did that you dump sense. one? Yeah. What did yeah, you, which I one chucked. you? I, sorry, I chucked the anaerobic. Dump. Chucked. Okay. okay. Dump anaerobic. Okay. Okay. Great. Dump. <laughs> Yell that word at the top of my voice. <laughs> <laughs> yes. No. Not a fan of anaerobics. All right. Cool. Um. I guess this one isn't things that you would sip. Okay. Flavor notes. Hmm. Process variety. Mm, for, is this for outward facing towards customers or just yes. us as coffee professionals? I guess it could be both. It could be both. Yeah. Okay, repeat them again. Flavor notes, process, mm -hmm. variety. Uh, I would chuck variety, uh, dump it for, for customers. They don't need to know that. Mm -hmm. It's ridiculous like telling me what type of silkworm made my sweater. I don't know. <laughs> so, so many shy, I can't even deal. Okay, so we're done. I would, I would, I would sip processing if it's outward facing and chug flavor notes because people like to talk about that. 
but I would invert that for coffee professionals. And okay. I would still dump varieties because most coffee professionals don't understand why the variety is important. And I'm not saying that in, a, in to be at all rude. And I don't mean, I don't understand a lot of the time other than rust resistance and certain coffee um, varieties that have like land race varieties in um, Ethiopia that have a historic taste um, or like, you know, uh, Castillo being made from, you know, partially um, uh, uh, Canifora and partially from um, uh, Arabica in order for rust resistance in Colombia. There, there are reasons and there are definite obviously flavor differences and yield differences and everything between varieties and for the most part one of the most ex in interesting experiments was ever was held by Tim Wendelbo at what used to be the Barista Cup um, years ago in um, Oslo I think it was or maybe it was in Copenhagen I can't remember which one this was at when you had to try and taste the different varieties and it really like I just remember Katuro standing out because it was so unctuously sweet, but then he put down the new Castillo varieties and I was just like, well, that's very sweet and insane. And then I've tasted different species. So I've tasted Eugenoides, I've tasted Liberica, I've tasted Excelsior, as well as Canifora, otherwise known as Robusta and Arabica. And that's very interesting. Um, but in terms of coffee professionals, we don't, talk as much about varieties unless it's a niche conversation I'm having with people I'll more generally talk about processes and the evolutions in, in processes which is what I think fourth and fifth wave coffee is is the evolution and processing mm -hmm. um and um and finally some social justice finally a little bit tiny bit in 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 the mix too um but flavor notes are still fun to bang around like it's still fun to put a coffee in front of somebody and just be like what what it's not my it's not what I want to talk about I want to talk about processing yeah um when we were coming up with this Bronwyn and I had this like memory that maybe you've also seen this YouTube video but it's like these two little cartoon animals talking one's a barista and one's a customer and the guy's like what are the notes tell me the, the notes. notes 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 do you remember this at all I have not seen that. Oh my no. gosh, Bronwyn, you'll have to send it to Candice. Yes. We'll, we'll send it to you. We'll put it on. We'll put it on the uh, the Instagram post for all of you yeah, to see. Yeah, it'll be hilarious. It's very funny. So it holds up. Yeah. I mean, so much of this stuff. That's why coffee memes are so funny because <laughs> you're like, yep. <laughs> it's like they were true ten years ago, and they're true today. <laughs> all right. So our last sip dump chug is espresso drip mm -hmm. or coffee with milk and that can be in any form like drip with cream or latte yeah um so espresso coffee with milk and drip just filter yeah yeah filter. Drip. any kind of brewed coffee like okay yeah i would definitely um chug drip i would definitely dump espresso and I would sip coffee with milk because I've had to wait in countless airports and at countless conferences and at countless conventions and I can't even tell you how much sugar or sweetener plus cream has saved my damn life so <laughs> yes. espresso is heinous I'm going to say it out loud it's a very very open secret with a lot of coffee professionals I do not like espresso I find it is incredibly finicky, incredibly fussy. I love it for a base of something and I love it being used in cooking. 
So I love it for a base of a really delicious creamy cappuccino, a really lovely flavorful, and fr um, you know, coffee forward like Gibraltar or something like that. But straight espresso is so difficult to get right. Mm. And I haven't had a good espresso for so long. <laughs> it's been two years. No, seriously, it's like throw the heart of the ocean in the o in, into the ocean because we're done. Like I haven't had, and it's nobody's fault. The machines get better and better, but it's still so many variables. Mm. There is going to be zero grinders that will not give you fines, that won't give you different, you know, particle sizes. That's can that's like light years away from where we are. Mm. And volumetrics are great and everything's awesome, but I still am underwhelmed by most espressos. Yeah. And I'm grateful we serve them, but more often than not, I've been looking for sugar recently. I'm just like, no, sugar. <laughs> Because yeah, sugar so is delicious. I would not order one. Not if I really wanted to know what the coffee tasted like. It's gonna. It's under too much pressure. How do I know if I like the coffee or not? Yeah. True. Let's give you a cupping bowl. <laughs> yeah. Give me a cup. Of, damn it. Loosen the grind. Chop chop. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So yeah. I think I, I I love sitting with a drip coffee. I used to. I mean, I'm like everyone. I you know, Starbucks is a gateway drug. I used to love like the most improbably named venti caramel macchiato. Like how can something that's supposed to be tiny be a venti, but anyway, um, with the whipped cream and the drizzle and all that kind of stuff. And then it got smaller and smaller. My drinks would get smaller and smaller. And I ended up asking for four espressos with like a head of foam because you could get foam in those days. You know what I mean? Like I didn't even want the milk, but I also didn't want the shitty espresso. So sorry, excuse my language. So yeah, so, um, so yeah. Drip coffee for me is where it's at. And please don't make me a pour over. Don't don't go to all that trouble for me. Just pour me a little drip out of the brewer. We're good. You know. <laughs> Love it. Awesome. Candace, this was so much fun. Yes. Oh, yay. Thanks for having me. You know I adore you, Bronwyn. And Kathy's Aww. good to know you. And I'm going to adore you from now on. So there we go. <laughs> Same so to you. Um, yeah. I, I, I love that the industry is evolving with the time. I love that so many people of so many different generations are in this industry together, trying to work together. And hopefully cross fingers at some point, it won't look like a neo-colonialistic nightmare and it might actually look like an equitable supply chain so that people picking my coffee won't be as in indentured as they feel as I feel looking at them as I make a nice salary and sit in my Bay Area apartment with my two gorgeous dogs, like, you know, everyone should feel as equal as can be on that supply chain. Mm. So heard. That's a real flavor note, dude. That's 100%. True. We appreciate you, Candace. Thank Yay. you so much. So thank you so much. Thank you. Thanks so much to Candice for sharing their knowledge and experience in tasting. It was such a pleasure to hear from them. We hope you enjoyed it and learned something new that will help your tasting skills grow. Thanks everyone for listening. We'll be back next week to talk more coffee with you all. Until then, continue to drink good coffee. Don't forget to rate, review, and subscribe. And keep up with us on Instagram at totallydissolvedpod. Send us questions or thoughts in the DMs or email us at totallydissolvedpod at gmail.com. Bye, Bye for, for now. now.